and pizza. Hallelujah, I'm following you home. <laughs> I always need pizza, guys. I'm telling you, I can eat. We used to go to a buffet there, used to, we still do on occasion, but this place called San Pedro's right there in Chelsea, and I didn't eat if I didn't eat nine pieces. I mean, nine was always my mark. Nine was always my mark. I've done upwards of 11 and 12, but I could eat nine pieces of pizza without checking up. The buffet lost money on me when I showed up. Because, I mean, eight slices of pizza, I'd eat a pizza and a piece, you know, so. Anyway. And I love them all. I love anchovies. I don't know why I'm on pizza. I love, y'all love anchovies? I, I used to love when people would say, hey, I'll eat whatever you eat. So the first thing I'd do is I want anchovies. And they'd all panic and go, oh, no, no, we can't do that. But anyway, I was actually raised by a guy, my dad, who we hunted all the time. And so when we go into the woods for deer season, We'd go into the woods and stay from daylight till dark almost because we ran dogs back then, turn them loose, and they'd run and carry on. We'd have standers around proper. And at lunch, Daddy would pull out this big old box. If you remember chicken, it was a chicken box. You'd get frozen chicken in there's wax covered. Do you remember those old boxes? There's wax covered, and we'd pull the lid off, and Dad would have a, a, a case of sardines in that thing. And so I was raised eating sardines right out of the can. I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And then when we'd have an onion and could cut it up and eat it with it, now I didn't need to be around anybody the rest of the day. I don't know how we killed anything in the afternoons. But uh, anyway, uh, I, got, I got all kinds of stories about life and, and, and great stuff. But you know what? The story tonight is not about that. It's about we're going to continue the story that we started this morning. Um, we talked this morning about this the fact that I got issues, and y'all all admitted I do, and wholeheartedly supported that, and I appreciate that. Um, we did have a few volunteers to say that they have issues. They didn't name them like I did, um, but that's okay, and uh, in the message this morning, you, we, we, we know that I got an issue with selfishness, so we talked about selfishness, and we put our attention on it based out of Genesis 13. Um, so we're going to get there, but what I want to do, I brought our bulletin back in front of us tonight. I'm going to read a piece out of the bulletin. i got two pieces you need to hear. The first is what we go by every day of the week. It's our mission statement. Evangel's mission is loving people. How awesome that we are people who are called to love and that we've declared that we are going to love people because tonight is about that. Uh, we're, I'm going to tell you how to overcome selfishness in your life tonight, okay? Can I do that? Uh, it's the only way. There's only one way to defeat selfishness and the issue of selfishness in your life, and that is to become selfless. And so when this mission statement says, evangelist's mission is loving people, basically you're saying, I will be selfless when it comes to people. <laughs> Let's get that refiner's fire song back out. How <laughs> I many of y'all know some folks that's like fire? <laughs> you get around and when you leave, you're smoking. <laughs> you are smoking. You are so mad you could tear through the wall. They have frustrated you, tormented you, caused you to think all kind of bad stuff, and in the end, you walk away thinking to yourself, oh, God, why did you create them? I don't even know what their purpose is. <laughs> I'm preaching now. 
I ain't even got it in my notes. This is Holy Ghost stuff right here. So when we talk about this, we got to understand that if we're going to declare our mission is loving people, then we got to understand that that means we love people. That's hard. Man, you can't get up and sing about the refiner's fire and then turn around and talk about loving folks and not feel bad. Just a little bit anyway. Because we can all think of somebody that we avoided this week. I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. Whoever you are, wherever your journey is taking you, rest assured you'll be loved, valued, and encouraged here through a connection with God and with one another. And so I know as a church, oh, let me get to the second thing. Hey, y'all, fall festival is Wednesday night. Are you fired up about it? I am fired up about it. Uh, let me see if I read that right. Let's see. Oh, there it is, food. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm jacked over the food. I'm so excited. I'm going to come and eat. Uh, is it hot dogs, corn dogs, hot dogs? Hot dogs. I'm going to come eat a couple of hot dogs. I'm planning on it. I'm going to be right in the middle of it, and I'm going to do what all we're all declare our mission is. We're going to love people. You need to go out and find somebody to invite. You need to call your neighbors or your friends, and you need to say, hey, you need to get up there. I don't know where that church is. Well, my goodness, put it in your GPS. Every person you talk to has got a phone. Be ready to give them an address just like that. That's all you got to do. If they, if they say that, they're just trying to make an excuse because they don't want to be around you. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Eliminate that and, buy, and say to them, hey, look, I, I, know, I, I, I know, I know, I know. Just put your address in. Look us up. Come show up. We're going to have a lot of, lot of fun. It's going to be a great time for the kids. We're doing it for the kids. You ain't got to say, I don't want to be around you either. You just say, we're doing it for the kids. It's free. Man, that's awesome. That's right. So that's, that's, that's I want to say those two things. Our mission is loving people. We got a great opportunity for that Wednesday night. Start tonight. Work your way through the week. Try to get somebody here up to Wednesday. If you invite, invite them on Thursday, we'll give them a hot dog or something on Sunday. Just bring them on. We'll, we'll make up for it if they show up two days late. We'll figure it out. Amen. So we saw in Genesis 13 a picture of what selfishness looks like. We looked at the life of Lot this morning um, and the kind of decisions that self makes. Self. Uh, self can be trouble. Self can get in the way. Self is the selfish side of who we are. Um, and the scripture tells us we got to reckon that jug are dead every day. We got to tell it, nope, not today. Jesus is Lord today, not you, not you. Uh, so I'm going to do this. Amy's got, got it ready. We're going to pick up. I'm going to pick up on verse 4. Can you go to verse 4? Uh, I'm going to pick up on verse 4, and I'm going to read to you the following verses down to 11. It says, this was the same place where Abram had built the altar, and there he worshipped the Lord again. It goes on and makes this statement, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all the flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. That time the Canaanites, Perizzites were also living in the land. 
Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, sorry, to the left, I pointed with the wrong hand, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor. The whole area was well watered everywhere, all like, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before Lord, the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And verse 11 says, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. Now, um, so I've got something going on with my, let me do something right here. Let me see if that'll be good there. Huh. How about that? Hang on just a second. Let me try another thing. Y'all don't ever have problems with electronics, do you? So, I'm, I'm good now. So Lot, we said this morning, made three choices that were born out of selfish desires. We're going to remind, I want to remind you of those, okay? I think it's good to be reminded on occasion of things that we've heard recently. And so this is just a reminder. You probably have it in notes, but... Um, the first thing was this, Lot valued his wealth over his relationships. If you recall, we talked about that, ended up in that discussion saying, don't let the issue of selfishness get in the way of your relationship with God, because that's typically what happens. Because even though we think it's just with others, it's really, it's really affecting this. The second thing we said is Lot make, made his choice in the name of more. So, when he looked at that big valley and the river running through it and the, the wealth and the value of it in his eyes and his mind, he made his choice based off of or in the name of more. He saw he could get more. He saw there was more there. Um, his more was a little confusing because if you recall in the discussion, we talked about how that was the garden of the Lord. That was the, that was, it was as beautiful as, as, as the land of Egypt, but his more was really selfish. It wasn't because he thought he was going to get closer to the Lord of the garden. He was trying to get the garden of the Lord. He was trying to get the garden. He wanted the value of it, not him. We said don't let the issue of selfishness or wanting more cause you to miss the wealth you've been given in family and friends because ultimately uh, we recognize he walked away from his uncle. The, the, everything that Lot had was what? It came through Abram. Abram had the promise. He was gleaning it off of his uncle. And yet he got to a place that he thought he could do it on his own. Somebody say amen. amen. We get to that place sometimes. And then third, Lot took the garden without the Lord. He, he, he took literally took the garden without Abram, without the Lord, with, without the one who was the provider and the provision and the blessing. So don't let the issue of selfishness cost you everything worthwhile in this life or the life to come. It's what we decided. And then I challenge you with a few thoughts concerning self. First is if you're in a moment in your life where you find yourself taking long looks. Do you remember that verse said in verse 10? 
He took a long look. If you're in a place and a time in your life where you're taking long looks at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, today's a good day to return your gaze on the Lord of the garden, not the garden of the Lord. Time to get your eyes on Jesus. Second, if your worldview has been reduced to yourself, you need to understand you're being enslaved by an enemy who will stop at nothing in his effort to destroy you. Today, we said it's a good day to surrender self to God's plan. Surrender self. Give it up to Jesus. Let him have control of the plan. And then third, we said one of the first signs that the issue of selfishness has us is when we part company with people, with certain people, especially people who know ourself. And we said, you need to invite Jesus back into the center of yourself. And we did that. Had a great altar service. I say all that to get to tonight because I felt like I need to lay that back down so that we could get started in what I want to talk about. And, and that is, what, what about the other character in Genesis 13? We talked about two main characters. There was Abram, who was very rich, and he was the one who the promise came to. There was Lot who was a tag-along, who was a, you know, a, a nephew who had come along to see and experience the journey like any young person would. And in the end, he came back to the land as he was called back to the land. And as Abram was called back to the land, he followed him back. But they had so much, they couldn't house it all, couldn't keep it all, and they couldn't support it all. So here we are in this moment. So we talked about Lot's character and sort of how he was off focus. He was, he was out of, he was out of, he was, he was a little, out of kilter he was tilted a little bit because he didn't see what abram saw because abram didn't see things the way lot saw them so what's his story what's abram's story how does he handle the this issue called selfishness um we I want to say it on the front side. He had ambitions. Abram had ambitions. Look, there's not a person here, especially if you're a male, that you don't have ambition. There's, and there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with the pursuit of happiness. There's nothing wrong with wealth or finance. There's nothing wrong with those things. The scripture doesn't say money's bad. It says the love of money's bad. Mammon, the love of money. This, this idea that it is to be valued over everything. So this isn't a message about money. This isn't a message about finances or having stuff. This is a message about not letting stuff have you. Not letting self be consumed. And so, so we know that Abram had ambition just like Lot, but it was different. The focus of his ambition was different. It wasn't focused on self. Abram's focus and his ambition was on the people it was on those with him it was on those he cared about it was on the relationships he had he had a relationship with his family which included lot he had a relationship with his money which included his herdsmen because what did the scripture say the scripture said he said he said it himself in the scripture there's no need in us having this conflict between us. We're relatives or our herdsmen. They should love one another. Amen? And so here he was. He, he, had, he had a relationship with his God, which included this promise that he'd been given, a promise that he was going to, you know, he, I mean, he, he, would, he would inherit the whole nation. It was all his. All of Abram's life. 
He's going to be this father of many nations. So all of Abram's life was wrapped up in relationships that he was a benefit to. So I'm going to give you a thought about relationships and what I see in Abram. And I have to say it sort of in a sort of a two or three part statement right here. All of Abram's life was wrapped up in relationships that he was a benefit to. Do you hear me? That he was a benefit to. Not relationships that required they be a benefit to Abram. So everything he was about was about him. How can I be a blessing? Not how can I get blessed? What value are you to me? That wasn't what he thought. He thought, what value can I be to you? Now, if we're going to talk about selfishness, that's the core of it. It gets down to, inside of us, what we're after. What, what are we pursuing? What do you want? Because he basically showed the picture this morning that Lot looked over the land, looked, took a long look, and he decided he wanted all of what he could see over in that valley. And he was willing to walk away from the promise to get it. So here we go. The first and foremost of those relationships that he wanted to value and that he kept valued was the Lord of the garden. He valued his relationship with God. We read those verses, and I want, you, I want to mention a couple of things to you out of 4 through 11. There's going to be a few more verses, and, and I got so caught up back there in, in my study and just some prayer time that about 10 or 6, I realized if I sent Amy what I have tonight, it would overwhelm her. So I didn't do that to you, Amy. So she's going to take us up right up to the point, and then I'm going to take off. And if you've got it written down, you better write down because it isn't going to come over on the screen. And that's my fault. That's not Amy. So I, I ain't even going to blame that on the Lord. Anyway, okay. So first notice this was the same place. Watch this. This is said in the scripture in that first verse 4 that we read. This was the same place Abram had built the altar and there he worshiped the Lord again. This was the same place Abram had built the altar. And he worshiped, there he worshiped the Lord again. So I want to say this real quick. Abram, so in that day and time, basically, if you beat somebody to a piece of property, it was yours. If you walked on the ground first and you're in a relationship with someone else, Basically, it was yours. They, you had to give them permission to have it. Because if you, what did the scripture say to him? You go, you go in every direction. You walk and place your foot on every place, and it's yours. The scripture promised that to Abram. So he had been on this property. He had walked this place. He had experienced this. He had built an altar there. He had worshiped the Lord there. He under, I mean, he already, ever, the soles of his shoes or the sandals that he had on were, had walked there. He already had ownership rights to everything that he was on. He had built the altar. He had declared it the Lord's. He had already shown his love for this place. And Lot was there. So stay with me for a second. Lot was there. All indications in the scripture are Lot was with him. Lot was there when the promise was made. Lot had seen him, watched him, followed him when this happened. 
Lot was, wasn't surprised. I don't think Lot was surprised by the revelation that Abram had been there, done that. He had experienced all this land. Lot was fully aware this place held special meaning to Abram. It was a place Abram had returned to worship. So Lot knew Abram had first dibs on this place. So you need to understand the issue with selfishness. Selfishness doesn't care. Lot didn't care. If Lot would have cared, he said, oh, man, look, I'm gonna, we're going to figure this out. This is yours. Everything we can see here is yours. God gave it to you. And as sure as he gave it to you, I'm making him my God and he can give me. I, I can trust him. I can follow him. I can believe him for what he has given to me that it be extended and furthered. Or I can stay under you and we'll figure this out. We're, we're going to make the herdsmen act right and quit fussing and fighting. We're going to make peace with the Canaanites and Perizzites. We're, we're gonna, we'll figure this out. But rather than do that, he didn't care. He took a long look at a spot that he had been staring on for a while, and he decided, this is what I want. You won't care what others think or how your decision impacts them when your issue is selfishness. You'll only care about yourself. And I'm telling you all, I've lived this. I've been, I mean... I pass for 27 years and catch myself in very selfish moments. Wanting to do, lead the church and direct the church in certain ways and sit down with the board and have discussions with them and get backlash and push back and leave that meeting going, what are they thinking? They don't know what they're talking about. Well, come on. It's okay. I'm just an interim right now. <laughs> I can tell you, I can, I can act any way I want. No, no, I won't. I'm serious. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Jerry. You leave in those moments thinking, nah, they didn't hear from you, God. Well, actually, they probably did. The scripture makes it pretty clear that in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. You have to, I had to learn to trust that God could speak to the whole. Or, and typically, we got to the place in the last several, several years, probably last 15, 18 years of my ministry there. If all of us didn't agree, none of us would do anything. We, we wanted a, a 100% decision. We wanted to move together. Because if one guy was left out, we felt like, well, either we're being pushy right now and we need to give him time or we don't care about him and God's placed him here. So I say all that to say Abram was different. When decision-making came up, he's, his choices were based off the good of all those around him. Now, watch this. So I'm going to take you through three things right quick that, that I noticed about Abram, okay? So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. I'm going to give you three things about Abram that was different when it comes to this issue of self and that he wasn't selfish, he was selfless, okay? So here's the first one. Abram could have said, he could have said, Lot, Let's, let, let's abandon Canaan. Let's just, let's walk away from this place and let's go together to the Jordan Valley and let's get filthy rich. By the way, as I wrote that down, I thought to myself, where did filthy rich come from? I mean, is it, is it filthy to be rich? No. So anyway, I didn't look it up. I'm just curious. 
<laughs> but I wrote it down. It says very rich. So in the scripture, that Abram was very rich. So he could have said, let's get very, very rich together. And I say that because I want you to see three things that would have been, would have equated from that decision. Okay, Abram could have said that. Let's abandon this place. Let's go to the Jordan Valley and let's get rich together. Let's increase our wealth, our, our land. Let's just do this together. Here's what would have happened. He could have kept his relationship with his family and Lot, being the family we're talking about. He could have kept his relationship with his family. He could have kept his relationship with his money and his herdsmen and all that it represented. He could have kept that. But he would have lost his relationship with the Lord. So this is the first decision that he didn't make that I'm glad he didn't, aren't you? Because I've made that decision before. I've chased something I wasn't supposed to. I've stared too long at something I shouldn't have been looking at. So, there, so here, here we go. He, he could have said that. Second, he could have said, Lot, I'm your uncle. You're the nephew, so I'm going to take what I want, and you get what's left. Now, he could have done that. Why? Because he had already walked on it. He could have looked at him and said, <laughs> you're fooling yourself. I, this is mine. God's told me this is mine. You, you're going to have to figure it out. You need to go to the prayer closet. Your prayer tent. You know, he could have done that. Here's what would have happened if he'd have done that. He, he could have kept his relationship with his money. He, I mean, he'd have still had all that. He could have kept his relationship with his God because he's still functioning in the promise. But he would have lost his relationship with his family a lot if he'd have done that. See, there's a cost in our decisions. I mean, we're selfish. There's a cost. Both of those were selfish acts, would have been selfish acts. To walk away from Canaan where God promised, made these promises to him would have cost him. To, to think in himself that I, 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 I don't care what you think or how you feel a lot, this is mine, you deal with it. He would have lost a lot in that. So, so selfishness will always cost you something. And those two decisions were selfish decisions. Or he could have, number three, he could have made the incredible wise choice to keep all, his, all of his relationships front and center, which is what he did. He says what? Lot, take what you want. I mean, what do you think about that for a second? I mean, he's looking at somebody he raised. Somebody who had watched him, he had talked with, he had shared with. He had, he had tried to instruct and give special attention to. He had poured into them. He had loved them. He had done everything he could for them. And through the process of that, he got to the point where that he recognized Lot did, had never bought in. Lot was selfish. And so rather than deal a harmful blow to him or walk away from his God, Abram said, you know what? I got here trusting the Lord. I'll leave here trusting the Lord. Say amen. I got here trusting the Lord. I'm going to leave here trusting the Lord. He said, take what you want. Look, 
if you want to land on the right, I'll take the land on the right. If you want to land on the left, I'll take the land on the left. I'm good. If you're good, I'm good. You want to talk about refiner's fire? You want to talk about what it takes to get to the place that you're pure? Get to the place you can look at somebody and say, hey, I'm good. Do what you want. Take what you want. Abram was so out of the box with his thinking. Listen to me. He was so out of the box with his thinking. But it's because he didn't allow politics or culture or any other thing cause him to devalue the one relationship he valued the most. And that was his relationship with the Lord. He didn't allow anything to cost that, to, 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 to challenge that. I mean, that's the, that's the challenge for us today. Man, culture will challenge your relationship with the Lord today. Politics, good Lord Jesus. We don't even need to talk about that right now, do we? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness gracious alive. God help us. And he is. Because you know what? He's made us promises. And either we, get, either we believe he's true to his promise or we don't. And so I believe he is, and he's going to stand with us, and he's going to show himself strong, and he's called us to love people, and so we're going to love people. Amen? That's our mission. And so what we recognize is, I'm going to give you a verse, Romans 13, verses 8 and 9. I want you to, want you to hear this right quick. Um, it says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. That's the expense of, of, of being a servant of God. The cost of serving God is to spend yourself loving people. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as your self. As that thing in you that you love. Look, I know y'all got up this morning and you fixed yourself up in the mirror. Thank God. Amen. How would the writer of the scripture realize and know that there would be a day when that would be so important? Because it says you don't get up and look in the mirror and walk away and forget what you looked at. Right? It was a waste of time if you did. Most of us remember well what we looked like this morning. <laughs> Why? Because we love ourselves. And we love to be loved. And we think part of being loved is make sure we look lovable. Come on. Come on. You polished that head this morning. I know you did. Amen. So what we're talking about here is <laughs> Abram loved his God and, 
Abram loved his neighbor as himself. He loved his, he loved his nephew Lot. He, loved, he kept his relationship with God. He kept his relationship with his family. And, and ultimate, ultimately, he left, he left his money in the hands of God. He basically said, you know what? God, you took care of this. I have wealth today because you gave it to me. And if you choose to take it away, that's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I will live and not die. Amen. Not until you're ready. So, folks, selfishness will keep you from wise choices. Selfishness will keep you from making good decisions. But selflessness will release you. I mean, selflessness, when you're selfless, you wake up in the morning, you reckon the old man dead, and you walk through the day thinking there is nothing more important than people. There's nothing more important than me loving the people I come in contact with. There's nothing more important. My money's not more important than that. My job's not more important than that. Nothing about me is more important than that. I'm supposed to value people as much as I value my. So let's open up the New Testament window here. Let's get some light in on this, okay? I'm going to take you. First to Genesis 13, I'm going to go back there. I want to read three verses, four, three, four verses that sort of happened right after verse 11. So Abram has looked at Lot. He's told him, look, you take the right, I'll take the left. You take the left, I'll take the right. I'm good, brother. And Lot chooses that land, heads out into it. Here Abraham is standing there wondering, all right, I need some grass, Lord. The water goes that way. There's none that way. We, I need some help. I need you to do something. You know what? I've trusted you this far. It's going to work out. I know it's going to be a little bit harder, but it's all right. It's okay. Me and Lot's good. Now, you and Lot, y'all figure that out. Verse 14 says, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> I mean, Lot now has gone. Lot's gone. Lot walked away from the promise. Lot chose his path, and he's out there plowing now. He's getting after it. He's happy because he thinks he's got the garden of the Lord, but he doesn't realize he, he ain't got the Lord of the garden. He doesn't realize he's walked away from the most important thing that he'll ever value in his entire life. And so Abraham, Abram's standing there. He watches Lot disappear into the distance, which, you know, that's pretty big task in that day and time that was a lot of people and cows and goats and they're all out of sight and all of a sudden after Lottie gone the Lord said to Abram look as far as you can see in every direction north south east and west just take a minute and look at well, he's pro I, I get the image here that he's still on that 3,000-foot elevation. I get the impression here he's still standing on a high place, okay? And I get the impression the way the Lord's talking here, he's got him in this moment for a reason and a purpose. How many of y'all know God gets us into places so that he can speak clear to us? So he gets him up, he goes, comes to him while he's standing in this high, got this high place experience, and he says to him, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land as far as you can see 
to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. Guess what? That included the valley he had looked at and just give away. Look, none of it, none of it is ours. None of it's yours. It's all his. Lot thought he had something. He didn't have nothing. It's God's. God do with it what he wants to do with it. You say, that sounds a little bullish. Well, I'll tell you what, he's God. We lose sight that he's God. And for Lot, he thought he was getting away with, I mean, he thought he was getting the charm. Turns out, God's promise wasn't to Lot. It was to Abram, and he reaffirmed that promise to Abram. And he basically told him, I'm giving you all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. So here, Abram has this high place experience and God comes to him and speaks to him concerning his life and legacy. God tells him, look, as far as you can see in every direction, there, <laughs> that's a lot when you're up 3,000 feet. That's a lot when you're on a high place. But it's more than that. I need you to get this. If you don't get anything else, I need you to get this. It's God saying to Abram, because you have honored the relationships I've given you, I am honoring our relationship. You, you listening to me? Because you have honored the relationship I gave you with Lot, and you did the right thing with Lot, I am honoring our relationship, and the promise I made you is now expanded <laughs> now it's as far as you can see in every direction and it's for your descendants and their descendants and you'll be like the, they'll be like the dust of the earth they can't even be counted they'll be for me here's your question who else had a high place experience in the scriptures Jesus did didn't he Jesus was taken to a high place and offered all the world, every, the kingdoms of the world, by Satan. Well, let me just go ahead and turn this real personal. Self sort of liked the devil. I mean, you wouldn't have to reckon it dead daily if it wasn't an issue. Self sort of liked the devil. And so the devil thought he could get Jesus to this high place and show him all the kingdoms of the earth and tell him, look, this is all yours. All you've got to do is not go to the cross and suffer and die for all those people. I mean, what kind of offer is that? I mean, I know what the scripture actually says if you'll just bow down and worship, but ultimately that was saying, don't go to the cross. Don't suffer, don't bleed, don't die, and don't, don't resurrect on the third day, whatever you do. So all of us, in some way or another, face the high place experiences in life. All of us 
in some form or fashion find ourselves looking over stuff, getting the opportunity to choose things, and in those moments, the challenge is, will we choose right, wise? And how, what is right, wise? Will we choose the relationship? Will we choose the relationship? Will we choose God? Will we choose our family? Will we choose our friends? Will we choose what's right? Sometimes that choice is difficult because the refiner's fire tells us that that means that we're going to have to create conflict to make the right choice. We're going to have to stir the pot because we're going to have to say no to somebody or we're going to have to correct somebody or we're going to have to give, give some harsh rebuke to somebody. You say, well, I don't think that's what it's saying. It says, it says that. It says that. The scripture teaches us that. That, there's, there, that there is rebuke and there's correction. There's direction that we're called to give. That's what the pastor does when he stands up here. I said that just a week ago. That's his job to correct, to, to protect and to correct and to direct. And he, he works at that. But that doesn't mean that we're void of it. That means that we've got to do that sometimes with our kids. Amen. You know, I, mine's old, but I still correct them. I mean, look, their ears look like they do because I've been chewing on them, not because they're wrestlers. Okay, well, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, look, I got boys. Look, y'all want to know somebody tough? Debbie's tough. She's way meaner than me than boys. But it had to be. Why? Because we wanted to be able to make choices when they got old, right choices, and value relationships. God tells him, look as far as you can see in every direction. Jesus was told by the devil, just look as far as you can see in every direction. Basically, Satan raised Jesus to a high place, showed him the kings of the world and said, I'll give you all this. Just don't go to the cross and suffer for humanity. But Jesus didn't waver. He didn't doubt. He didn't question. He didn't wonder. He didn't pout. He didn't quit. He didn't whine. Oh, don't you hate whining? Mm. He didn't bail out. He didn't get all fussy. I can stand fussy. Man, it's a whining. Jesus, Jesus forsook the face of the Father. You think about this. He had never been in a place in his life prior to his existence on this earth and during his existence on this earth where the Father was not smiling on him and favoring him and his face was available to him. He had to forsake that. Jesus forsook the riches of heaven and became like the people he loved. Had to lay his life down. Had to lose everything to gain everything. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians 8 9 tells us, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. You're rich today. I'm rich today because of Jesus. 
You know where your value is at? You know where the riches of, your, of, 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 of all this world are at? It's in the pews around you. It's in the children that you've got. It's in the friends you've got. Because he's created that opportunity for you. He's put something in you that's powerful. It's called selfless love. Unconditional love. Powerful. Powerful. Selflessness is the riches of heaven today. I'm going to say that again. Selflessness is the riches of heaven on earth today. It's hard to become selfless. It takes a refiner's fire. But when you get it, you won't sell it for nothing. You won't give it away. It's the most powerful thing on the face of the earth. Selflessness is where the issue of self is defeated and God is glorified. I'm going to close with a few things. I'll give you some verses to go with it. And it's, based, it's born out of a question that I got while I was preparing and thinking about the, the message tonight. And, uh, it sort of stirred in me a while back, and I wrote it down, and I, it, it just sort of fits here. How important is selflessness in the relationships we have? How important is it that we are selfless? How important is it? Well, the first thing is this, loving others as our self is the second greatest command. That's what the scripture says. I'm going to give it to you. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 makes this statement. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious. Love doesn't brag. It's not puffed up. It's not rude. It's not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The scripture also says in Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honoring and honor, preferring one another. So, so when we talked earlier about this, it makes it very clear that we are to love one another. We are to love others as we love our Second, selflessness is this. Selflessness doesn't end at loving our family and friends. Scripture tells us, love even your enemies. Now, that's, that's that fire stuff we were talking about a while ago. That's that go to Walmart or Target and you're going along and all of a sudden you realize somebody's down the aisle that you don't want to see. I love this. And you figure if I turn now and scoot down and to make the next turn, surely they won't see me. Oh, man. That's the best story every time because I've done it. You've done it. We've done it. It's so real to us. I mean, we can, we almost feel like when I say it, it's almost as if I see people look at me and think, did you see that? I don't have to see that. I am that. I've been that before. Listen, you don't pastor 27 years in one community and not avoid people at some point. I mean, I, hey, 
I'm being honest with y'all. There are people in that community that I thought, man, if I cannot see them today, it'll be a blessed day. Come on. I mean, I know that's selfish. I'm telling y'all. I got issues. I didn't do it all the time, but I mean, there were days. There were days I'd shut my door and lock my office door and think to myself, oh, God, if I could just be here by myself all day, that'd be awesome. You can even stay out for the day. I mean, Lord, I'd be fine with you not bothering me because you're just going to convict me of something. Come on. I mean, come on. Selflessness doesn't end with just loving our family and friends. Scripture tells us to love even our, your enemies. Leviticus 19:18. You say, that's in the Old Testament? Forget about the wrong things people do to you. Don't try to get even. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He's been saying that a long time, hasn't he? Luke 6, 27, 28. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's an oh me, that's not an amen. That's right. And then third, selfishness always shows up through generosity. Evangel's mission, what we go out to do, what we gather to do, what we're all, what we're all about, is being generous with love. So selfishness always shows up through generosity. What is generosity? Immediately we go to money. Oh, no, no, don't go to money yet. I mean, sure, I can take a checkbook and talk to you about it because it probably shows up there. But there's so much more to generosity than money. That's just a sign he's got your money is all that is. Whether or not you can love somebody who doesn't love you is a real sign of generosity. Whether or not you're going to put up with people who are hard to put up with, that's a sign of generosity. I mean, when we get down to it, selfishness shows up when the, when, when the fire's on us and everything comes to the top. And what surfaces first? The impurity surfaced first. I was telling Debbie on the way here. So I promise I'm going to close. I was telling her on the way here, I'm really praying about something. Stop listening to her music to hear what that was. It's unusual for me to say I pray. So, no, no, I'm kidding. I said, I'm really praying about something. I said, I think I've discovered that the older we get, the more what I like to call the buffers in our life disappear you know where I'm going don't you right here and so I said I'm really praying that I'm not just putting on a good face because if I am when when the buffers disappear I'm going to be one honor a joker whenever I get old and y'all going to go oh that's just dad <laughs> oh now I got to say my dad was a 
prince. He was a gem. He was so good to the core that even at an old age, even when he is in his late 70s, which isn't very old, I know, but even as he got older and he got into his late 70s, he, he, he just got sweeter as it got. You know. Now, with Barbara, he was a little blunt, but, I mean, you know, she deserved it. That's my sister. But he, so he lost some buffer. He did. He would talk about stuff he shouldn't talk about. And he would say stuff he shouldn't say, but he wasn't mean about it. But you know, there's folks that as they get older, they get mean. And you wonder, what's happening? Well, they're losing the buffers. They're just losing that ability to, 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 to control what they're... Some of y'all think stuff during the week and you control it and you don't say it. And I commend you for that. You'll lose that buffer one day and when you do, buddy, we're going to talk about you then. And we're going to wonder about you. And we're not going to put you on the greeting team anymore. <laughs> Come on. You can't serve hospitality if the buffers are gone because there are going to be folks that walk up. Dad, dad. So my, my, my nephew, Kurt, had a real problem with acne. Acne. Sorry. Acne. Sorry. Real problem with acne. And we were at a restaurant, and we were all sitting at the table. And Kurt showed up and sat down. And when he did, Dad looked at him and said, Boy, you look like 12 gauge shot you. <laughs> My boys melted under the table. They, they could not believe he said that. Buffer was gone. Buffer was gone. Dad had buffers that disappeared. He did. But man, he was such a good guy that you just overlooked that, you know. He may wear three different colored socks. Literally, two on one foot, one on the other. But that was okay because, I mean. All I'm saying is, is that as we get older, we're going to lose some stuff. So you better not be faking it right now because it's going to show up. You listen to me? You better not be acting one way and, and thinking it's all going to be okay because what you really are is going to show up at some point. Maybe a while for y'all, but I mean, it's going to get there for me. selflessness always shows up through generosity and generosity isn't about money generosity is what I say it's how I express it it's how I communicate it's how I value the people around me sure Proverbs 19 17 says giving help to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord, he will pay you back for your kindness. Man, I like the idea of loaning money to the Lord. God, you need a little bit? I got you. You know what that is? That's when you see somebody that's hurting and in need. That's him saying, I need a little help here. I've helped you. I need you to help them. You watch what I'm going to do. Because with Abram, what happened? He got all them promises. And then all of a sudden, this conflict come up. And rather than be selfish, selfish, he was selfless. And he said to Lot, you want the right? I'll take the left. You want the left? I'll take the right. Anything you want. I want that. Fine. And as he walked away, God said, hey, just spin around, take a look. Just spin around, take a look. It's all yours. Selflessness. 
will show up through generosity. Matthew 25, 40 says, The king will answer them, I can guarantee this truth. Whatever you did for one of my brothers or sisters, no matter how unimportant they seem, you did for me. Proverbs 22, 9 says, Generous people will be blessed because they share their food with the poor. All right, I need to, I need to close. Philippians, I'm going to give you a verse and then I'm going to wrap it up. We know the verse. It's chapter 2. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the picture of Jesus the way we need to see him. It starts in verse 5 and goes through verse 8. It says, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How selfless are we? I'm not very selfless whenever I read that. I got a ways to go. There's a lot needs peeled off in me. Surrender. Lord, we still ourselves in your presence. For you are here. So evident. Your presence is literally tangible. Seems that way to me. I hope and pray every person here senses and feels your presence that way. And that in the feeling and the sensing of your presence as we do, that we'll realize that was made possible through the generous spirit and heart, mind, and body of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. We have this peace with God, and we experience this peace of God because of Jesus. So we say, come, Lord Jesus. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our midst, into our hearts, into our daily activities. We're all going to have an opportunity this week to be selfless. It may come tomorrow. It may not be to Wednesday night for some of us, but we're going to get an opportunity to be selfless, to love on people, 
to show generosity. To favor one another, to love one another, to prefer one another, to give. Yes, we get to give financially and we get to give in monetary form every time we come together, but there's so much more giving needs to happen. We got friends and neighbors that need us to give a little love to them. We got some enemies that need us to give a little love to them. We got strangers we're going to meet this week that we need to give a little love to. And I know that that doesn't have to be weird or awkward. It can just be a smile. It can be a, a handshake, a bumping of the fist or elbow. And it can be as simple as, hey, man, how's your week? Are you okay? For those we know, we can say, how can I pray for you? Do you need anything that I can provide? And for some, we don't even have to ask. We know what they need. We see their struggles. We see the difficulty they are in in life. And Lord, we're blessed. We're all blessed. We, we, can, we can be generous with word and deed. We can be generous because when we help someone like that, it's like loaning to you, Lord. It's like, it's like making a loan to you. My goodness, God, help us to wrap our mind around the selflessness of Jesus and to have that attitude this week, to take on the attitude of Christ. Charge us with that before we walk out of this place. Let that be the charge that echoes into the very depths of our spirit. you stand with me. Here, here's what we're going to do tonight. If you know someone that needs a little love, I want you to bring them to the altar. They may not be in this place. I'm not saying they're sitting next to you. I'm saying you know someone that needs God's love, his presence, a touch from him. And all I'm asking is, hey, will you, let's make the first, this is like the first step for the week. This is our first act of generosity. That we come to this altar and we bring them down here. I'm not going to go around and lay hands on you for this. We will have an altar call for, we'll, we'll, if you have a, a physical need, we're going to pray for you. But if you know someone who needs the love of 